Prayer can do anything God can do. I've seen what I can do, and it's embarrassingly embarrassing, embarrassing. When I've seen God do a few things in my life, those are the best memories of my life. And I want to have a memory this year, don't you? I want to have God doing something special. Someone wrote this. I plan to read it this week on the radio. The church has many organizers, but few agonizers. Has many who will pay, but few who will pray. Many resters, but few wrestlers. Many who are enterprising, but few who are interceding. People who are not praying are just playing. Two prerequisites to dynamic Christian living is you need vision and you need passion. And both of these are generated in the prayer closet. Ministry of preaching is open to a few. A ministry of praying is open to every child of God. Don't mistake action for unction, commotion for creation, and rattles for revivals. The secret of praying is praying in secret. A worldly Christian will stop praying. A praying Christian will stop living worldly. When we pray, God listens to our heartbeat. Tithes may build a church, but tears and prayer will give it life. That is the difference between the modern church and the early church. Our emphasis is on pain. Theirs was on praying. When we paid, the place is taken. When we prayed, the place was shaken. In the matter of effective praying, never has so many left so much to so few. Brethren, let us pray. Isn't a great challenge? Convicting. Reminding me that prayer is so important. Why is prayer important? I want to remind you of a couple reasons I think prayer is important. By the way, prayer is not necessarily talking to God, it's talking with Him. It's a communication, it's a two-way street. Something's happened when you are in prayer in a biblical way, the Holy Spirit's involved and He's speaking to you while you're speaking to Him. When you pray every once in a while, it'd be a good idea for you just to stop and say, Lord, is there anyone you want me to intercede for? And close your mouth for a minute. And let him put people in your mind. He'll lay people on your heart. Is there anyone right now going through peril that you want me to pray for? Is there a missionary wife that comes to mind? You'll be amazed. God will put putting people in your heart. You can join him in a conversation. You can do all the talking. Have you ever been with someone they did all the talking? Where it's almost you could just put your phone down and do your laundry and they're still talking. You can make a meal, you can finish your dishes, and they're still talking. Brother Vargo and I had a great friend, and he was just a talker. Brother Vargo would leave his house in Whittier, California. He would go get a nutritious apple fritter and a, and a diet Pepsi so it could even it out. And he would, he would start talking to him on his way out of his house. He would leave his phone in the car, go inside, order his apple fritter, get his Diet Pepsi, stand in line, however long it didn't matter, and came out and he was still talking and had no idea. And he did that for about, a, about five years. And the guy to this day, he knows about it now because he's with the Lord, but before that he didn't know. Every once in a while you get somebody, they just do all the talking. And when you get something in there, they just over-talk you and they keep talking. I think we know what God feels like sometimes. 
Heavenly Father, thank you for everything you do for us. We're so good. Help us and everything. Bring help us win the game and everything. And we have to, Amen. Lord, help us we go to church today. Hope we get some of it. Amen. That's it. The God who gave us everything, we just give him this token like, oh, call your name. Okay, go. I hope you're happy with me. Give us a good job on the bus today. Amen. And it's just a one-way street. But in private prayer, I think it's important that you and I learn that it's not a one-way street, it's a two-way street. You're not talking to God, you're talking with Him. Sometimes you have to stop in the middle of your prayer and say, Lord, talk to me. Who, who do I need to intercede for? I can pray for all the missionaries I guess by name, but is there anybody who comes to your mind? I think you'll be amazed if you'll stop, you'll find out in eternity future. You're praying right in the middle of someone else's burden. And the Holy Spirit's trying to help you do that. If we'll just stop the world. We can't hardly even get a few moments without noise going in our ears. I was watching a guy mow his lawn today, and he had his, his thing, and he was bebopping on down the lawn, and he, he was dancing while he was mowing his lawn. I don't think it was straight, but I think he was still doing it. And we can't get in our car without turning on the radio, turning on something, and I'm not against all of that. But sometimes when we get with God, we need to stop the world and say, I'm going to put my phone in the other room. It's going to be me and you, Lord. We're going to talk together. I'm going to use my phone to trigger people that I'm praying for and have a prospect lick I pray for oftentimes. And that's not bad to have that, but sometimes I need to leave my phone in another place and just need to be uninterrupted, just me and the Lord. And the Holy Spirit join us in that situation. Prayer is powerful. The reason there's so much, I think, battling with prayer is because what prayer produces... Prayer produces, number one, it, it, it helps us, gives us joy. Ask and it shall be given you that your joy might be full. Prayer relieves heavy burdens. Casting all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. If any afflicted, let him pray. Prayer is a big deal. Prayer, the Bible says, building yourself up by your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. When I pray, I'm getting built up. I'm getting built up. No wonder the devil doesn't want me to pray. If I'm burdened down with all my cares and I've got it all on my shoulders, as Brother, Ann, as Brother uh, uh, Rogers was telling us there, instead of putting them on his shoulders, I'm going to be a miserable cuss. I'm going to be a miserable Christian. Be weighted down. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him. He tells us, be careful for nothing. But everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your question be known to God, also is the key to peace, and then the peace of God. When I pray, peace is a result. You know, one of the things that makes a valuable spouse is when your spouse is meek. That means willing to adjust. Some people say, well, I mean, I got a, my spouse, they got to name the street after them one way. <laughs> They don't adjust anybody. It's their way. Heard about this one guy. He said, you know, my wife wanted a puppy. And I didn't want a puppy. And so we compromised. And we got a puppy. <laughs> you know, so many of us are not careful. We've got to have it our way. Meekness is a beautiful thing in a marriage. But also a quiet spirit. A quiet spirit. Peaceful spirit. That's easy to be entreated. That's a wonderful person to live with. 
Try and live with someone who's tore up on the inside. You know what will help you with your tore up on the inside? It will help me. This prayer. Taking her care and making it prayer. Prayer brings peace. It builds us up. It relieves burdens. Prayer gives us fullness of joy that your joy may be full. Prayer invites angelic help in times of difficulty. And you can read about that in Daniel 9, 10, and 11 where it, it summons angelic help. The Bible says that we have ministering spirits around us. Daniel understood that about God. And he prayed and he fasted and God gave him help and through the, the, uh, the instrument of Gabriel. What does prayer do? Prayer helps people with hard, hard problems and defiant people. When the man came to Jesus, he said, my son's a lunatic. It means he was moonstruck. It means something's really wrong with him. He had a problem beyond his ability to fix in a person. He said, this kind cometh not forth but by prayer and fasting. Then Jesus said, look, if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you could pray, and this mountain would be moved. Some of us deal with moons, and some of us deal with mountains. Some of us deal with a person that's out of control in our life, and you can't fix them. If you try to fix them, you're going to go to the funny farm. You need to go to your prayer closet. You need to love them and let God change them. You need to pray and let God fix it. And the other, the other situation is mountains, situations that are huge problems. Prayer is God's answer to that. Prayer is God's way of getting great and mighty things done. You know the verse, God's phone number, Jeremiah 33.3. 3. Can you say it with me? Call unto me, and I will, and show thee. It's God's way of doing great and mighty things. I don't know about you. I would love this, and I don't think it's going to happen. If, it, if I die today, it shouldn't happen. But I would love to have on the epitaph of my, of my stone that people walk by and kick, and, and people come by and weed eat around. I would like to be able to be worthy of it said, a life only God could explain. A life that only prayer could explain. Not something that wants to say, well, yeah, well, he, was a, he was the oldest in his family. He was a gifted guy, and he remembered this or did that. I don't want to hear that. What I'd like to have is a life that only the Lord could explain. God obviously touched that lady. He touched that man. He touched that grandma. Grandma wasn't just good at this. She, was, she, was, she had God all over her. He had God all over him. These are things that, uh, that happen, great and mighty things that thou knowest not. Who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we would ask or think. According to the power that worketh in us. That's an answer to prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. Prayer is, a, is the way in which we can, help, we can help get the gospel out. He said, I want you to pray for all men. They would come to the knowledge of the truth. People who pray are more sensitive to getting people the gospel than people who don't. Prayer is a way that we get labors. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into his harvest. This is the last time you really prayed, God, please call many more people to work on the bus ministry. God, call more people to be pastors. Call young men. I was praying with a man this week, and I was so grateful to hear him say, God, I want you to call a lot of people, but I want you to call young men to preach the gospel. 
we got guys running around. and If God's called you, that's fine. You make sure God's calling you. Everybody's not supposed to be in full-time Christian service being a pastor. But I get calls every week from people needing a pastor. And it kills me. Because the only start churches, you know what you have to have to start a church? You have to have a pastor. <laughs> the success or failure of any church plant rests heavily upon the man of God himself. And sometimes it just seems like we're very selective and very few people want to do it. They don't want to do a hard job, want to do an easy job, something simple, something they would like. And rather than just go and scratch out a place for God. Well, we need some kamikaze young men. We need some kamikaze middle-aged men. I'm going to ask you to pray for some. Pray that God would send some married students to Hiles Anderson College if God would entrust us to do that. Some of the great days of our college, we had a lot of married men there. And I'm not saying most of our single guys stepping out of there when you're 21 years old go pastor a church, I'm not so sure how many of us could do it. I think I would have struggled. But one of some of the greatest pastors in our country are men like Tim Rule, came here, married, figured it out, went over there, and they've done a great job for Jesus. And people throughout our country have done that. We ought to pray that God would entrust us with some married men, some married women that would say, you know what, we're going to do this together. It might be a difficult season. We're going to see what God can do. By the way, you single, you single men and single ladies, um, just don't get caught up in money. Turn another buck. Don't get caught up in that, especially if God's got his hand upon your life. Be careful. I'm not thinking about anybody. I'm just, I'm just giving you a general warning. I think under the Holy Spirit of God's influence. God's called you to do something for Christ. Don't stoop to do anything else. Let me tell you, sometimes, well, we're just going to do this for a little while. Sometimes months turn into years and years to decades, and then you look back and you've leaned your ladder up against the wrong building. And you've climbed a ladder that's against the wrong building. It's not what God wants you to do. But be very careful. We've got to pray for labors. Prayer is, is how countries are healed. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek his face. Boy, America needs a healing. But that's going to start with prayer. So start with me, learn to pray, you learn to pray. Thank you for coming back tonight. I want to just begin our back in our lesson, if we can please, James chapter 5. Would you please? If prayer can do those things, it's no wonder Satan fights it. Remember, remember years ago, and I'll give you this illustration before I tell that, I was in Egypt... And in Egypt, and especially up in the country areas of Minya and Asayut and places of that nature, the preacher was telling me, he said, oftentimes when you preach in these areas that are remote, Muslim people will bring their demon-possessed kids and teenagers and sons and daughters to the service. When I heard that, it terrified me. But sure enough, it wasn't too many, too many nights into our stay in Egypt. I was looking, I was looking in the back of the auditorium, and I saw a couple people, and they're Muslims. They're not Christians. They're Muslims, and they've come. They listen to the service, or they came at the end of the service, and they want the preacher to pray for their demon-possessed young adolescent or adult. And it was frightening. But the man told me, he said, Pastor... One thing that Satan cannot deal with is prayer. He said, if you get into a situation where you don't have to do, begin crying out in the name of Jesus, and he'll flee. It was Jesus who said to Peter, I'm praying for you. 
that your faith fail not. So when you get into this situation, you better start praying. You better be right with God. Demons know where you're at. They know what's going on. You better pray when you get in those situations. Obviously, the Word of God, Jesus used the Word of God. He said, I, my, my experience is I can quote the Bible all day long. They can quote the Bible back to me. He said, one thing I've done is I've just gone to God in prayer in the name of His Son and His great power, and great things have happened. We've seen conversion of Muslim people, and people, God began to do something special. They have no help in the imam. They have no help in, the, in, the temp, in, the, in their mosque. They know there's something in Christ. They can get some help. To remind us of how the power of prayer. No wonder Satan doesn't want us to learn to pray. I'm convinced if there's anything good at First Baptist Church, it's going to be because somebody decided to pray. Every time a soul gets saved, someone gets baptized, God does a work because somebody prayed somewhere. We'll see that in the eternity future. But boy, praying is one of the most difficult things to do, personally and collectively. I'm pleading with you, let's learn about it. James chapter 5, verse 13, if any man be afflicted, let him pray. For difficult times, don't air it out on Facebook before you pray. Then you probably won't air it out on Facebook. When you've got affliction, you've got a problem, you've got something pressing on you, before you start dialing your, 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 your friend or your, your loved one or trying to get some, fun, some other answer some other way, get alone with God. If you're afflicted, let him pray. Make prayer your first response, not your last option. One of the aggravating things I hear sometimes, all we can do now is pray. That should have been like a long time ago. If, you, if that's all you got now going, you've done everything else you can do, now you're going to start praying. That should have been our first thing. Pray like it all depends on God. Then it doesn't mean we don't work. We don't work at it. We ought to work at something, but boy, make prayer our first. He said, if you're afflicted, you're going through a problem, you're going through a frustrating, you gotta, you get, you're, you're feeling depression, that's not unusual in this day and age. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of things in the spirit world going on. A lot of things you're hearing in your ear, I'm hearing in my ear, and a lot of things coming from, from our influences on our, our computers and our televisions and all this stuff. When sometimes it'll afflict you. If you're afflicted, pray. If you're married, sing psalms. He said, if any be sick among you, let him call for the elders. Verse number 14, and let him pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Here's just to say, this is, this is the only place in the Bible where there's an option given, and I think more Christians should take advantage of it. So, Pastor, you're trying to keep yourself more busy? Have, have no interest in that. And I'm not the only elder here either. A lot of people that can help you with this. But the Bible says, if someone's sick, let him call for the spiritual leaders of the church. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil. Oil has no medicinal, uh, no, no medicinal purposes. Okay, putting some olive oil on someone's head does not heal them. But in the Bible, when oil was put on top of a priest or on top of a king, when he became a king or a priest, they anointed him with oil. It was a type of the God Spirit and that that person is going to need God's help. So when oil is put on somebody's forehead, it has no ability to, it's nothing spooky about it. It's olive oil just out of wherever it comes from, whatever olive, olive branch is squeezed out of or berries. It's just an oil, but it, it's saying this person needs God's help. And it's not the oil that saves them. 
It's, it's God that saves them. It's God that heals them. But he says, I want you to pray in the name of the Lord. Aren't you glad we have a name that we can pray in? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, in the prayer of faith, shall save the sick. This, of course, I oftentimes, and even t- today, had the opportunity to anoint someone with oil. And, and I oftentimes ask them, what are you asking God to do? Because I want to find out what they want. Are they asking God for grace to go through it? Are they asking God for healing? Are they asking, what are they asking God to do? Because according to your faith, be it unto you. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29 says, I want to find out where their faith is, and I want to join them in faith. I want to agree with them in that thing. He says, the prayer of faith will save the sick. Then he says, if they've committed sins, it should be give, forgiven him. Then in verse number next, it says, confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Our theme this year is his righteousness. One of the effective keys to prayer is being right two ways. One with God and the other with another brother or sister. I do not know where you are today, but I want to tell you this real quickly. If you want effective prayer, you want prayer that avails, you want prayer that's effective, it does what needs to be done. And if you're going to pray as hard as it is, you'd like for it to be effective. You're going to need to be right with God and right with others. First concept, he said, whenever you're sick, by the way, one of the first things you want to evaluate, what is wrong with me? Have I sinned against God? By the way, how many sins are against God first? David said like this, against thee and have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. So he had taken a man's life, he had committed adultery, he had lied and lived in a lie and, adult, and sexual sins and lying goes hand in hand. He had been a liar. He had been an adulterer. He had been a murderer. But when it all came to it, though he affected adversely lots of people, Uriah, Joab, Bathsheba, a baby's going to die. Lots of challenges are going to happen there. But when it came to, to sin, he said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. You need to get right with God. Because nobody knows you like God knows you. We're, we're, we're whistling the wind to think that we can pray to a God in heaven who knows everything about us without dealing with our sin. He said, number one, if you want to be effectual in your prayer, and you're going to need to be right. Number one, right with God. If you come and you want someone to pray over you with, for, uh, for healing, your first little come to Jesus meeting needs to be with you and God. Say, Lord, is there anything that's wrong inside of me, that sin that I need to agree with you about and confess it? The second thing, to be right, you need to be right with another brother or sister. He says, confess your faults one to another. When you look in the book of Matthew, he said, if you come and bring your gift to the altar and you know that your brother has fault or fault against you, a fault is a break in an earth. Like the San Andreas Fault, it's where earthquakes take place. It's where the, it's where the ground doesn't meet together and there's, there's movement, seismic movement there. Well, in, in this world, you and I have people that we have 
a break in our earthly relationship. Someone owes us money. Someone's done something. Someone, you found out someone said something about you and, and said it to somebody else and it got back to you. And now you think about that. You think about that. You're hurt about that. You have ought and there's a fault. There's a break in the earth. When it comes to prayer, that needs to be dealt with. My sin against God and my sin against another brother and sister. It's interesting what God said here. He says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. On the cross, what did Jesus do? He prayed to the Father. Here's what he said. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Dear friend, if you are sick or you want prayers to be answered, you're going to have to deal with your faults. Your break in earthly relationship. I don't care if it's your mama who's already passed on to eternity. I don't care if it's your stepdad who's already dead. You better deal with that fault. You can't, he can't come back and ask you to forgive him, but you can forgive him in your heart and you need to. You got some neighbor across the fence that's caused problems for you, or you got somebody who's hurt you, or you got laid off, you got fired, you got this. Better deal with those things. You, you don't have to deal with them. You can go to heaven without dealing with them, but you're not going to be an effective prayer, and I'm not going to be effective in my prayer life if I don't get right, first with God and sin, and second with you or other brothers and sisters. Because sometimes you just say, you know, am I, am, I really, am I really bitter? What happens when you close your eyes at night? Who do you think about? What do you think about? Do you think about that? event, that hurt, that difficulty. So you can't take that away from your mind, but you know what you can do? You can deal with it. You can deal with it with a watershed moment of saying, God, they hurt me, they owe me, but I am not going to collect. And you can begin praying for that person, that God will be merciful to them the way God was merciful to you, and you can turn over that event and that person into the hand of the Lord. Jesus on the cross, last thing he says, that Father, into thy hands... I commend my spirit. He could have said into your palace, into your presence, into your heaven, into your throne. He didn't. He says, Lord, I am going to control. I'm going to let you control this. You know what you use your hands for? To find out how much pie you put in your pie hole this afternoon. How you combed your hair. What blouse you took off the hanger. What direction, what route you took to the church this evening. Did you take Calumet or Indianapolis? Did you take Seoul? Did you take May? What street you took? You decided that steering your car. You decided what you put in, in, in typing in your text or emailing. You, your fingers, your hand decides. It's for control. And Jesus said, Lord, into your hand, into your, into your control, I commend my spirit, my attitude, my perspective about that event. I think we're messing with ourselves not to think that God's just going to hear our prayer and us not deal with our sin and not confess our fault. Confession means to say it's true. You'll say, well, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I'm not. Uh, uh, uh. Well, they, they ripped me off. That's okay. Whatever happens to them happens to them. Probably you're bitter. You probably just say, you know what? I am. I do have a problem with them. How they scratch their head gets on my nerves. When I see them walk out, I just think, ah. Confess it. 
say the same thing, agree, and say, you know what, I got a problem there. I'm bothered by them. I'm hurt by them. They owe me for something they did, and I'm not going to continue to make them pay. Vengeance is not mine. I try to get vengeance, and some of us, we can't make someone pay, so we talk ourselves into thinking, if I don't talk to them and I let them know how much they hurt me, then I'm still making them pay. If I block them on Facebook, they know. They know. I'm not going to say bad things about it. I'm not going to call them a scumbag. I'm just going to block them. So they know. And you know what, friend? If you're not careful, you get in that little tit-for-tat stuff, and it could be a quick way to Calvary to get rid of it all. Then there would be an open line of communication and effective prayer. Rather than go around counting who all... Who all's hurt me and how much they've hurt me and what I'm going to do and how I'm going to fix that? He says, listen, if you've got a fault with a brother or sister, confess it. Say you do. You don't have to tell it to me. I don't have to tell it to you. I need to tell it to him. Say, I do have a problem. I don't appreciate how they are. I, I dealt with this in my own heart this week. With I think of a particular situation and, and the Lord brought it to my attention. Because I, I'm not, I, don't, I wasn't saying anything bad. I didn't write a letter. I didn't send a text. But I, when I thought about them, a negative thought came to my mind. I was driving on Indianapolis Boulevard when it happened. The Spirit of God dealt with me. And I said, God, that's not the right attitude. Why am I upset with him? The, he, has, he answers to you and I answer to you. I am not responsible for him or his decisions. I'm responsible for mine. But I am angry with him. I wasn't ready to fire off a text to him. But God had to deal with me about that. By the way, I'm glad God deals with me about that. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad I can. And you pray that God will help me be sensitive. I want to keep my head up looking to Jesus. I want to keep my heart sensitive to the Holy Spirit of God saying, I don't like that. Let's fix that. But certainly when I pray, I want him, I want him to hear my prayer. I don't want my prayers to be hindered. And he says, look, the effectual fervent prayer of a right man, a person who does the right thing, right with God, right with others, availeth much. Can we include, let's just conclude with the, the reading, and I'll make a few comments, and we're done. Verse 17, read it with me. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed, might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space Okay, he says, you know, Elijah was a little tish bite from tish, okay? He was from a little hole in the wall. He wasn't, he wasn't raised in a palace. He was a country bumpkin. And he had the same problems that every other man runs around here has. It wasn't all that, but he prayed and God heard him. He prayed again and God heard him again. And then he uses the, the conclusion of this passage Listen, one thing that's going to convert a brother from the error of his ways and cover most of his sins is going to be learning to pray. we got families that come early on Sunday morning to pray for children who are away from God. We have people who pray on Sunday night right up here for kids who are away from God. Well, what a wise thing to do. And through prayer, you can oftentimes turn someone from the error of their way that uh, they can cover a multitude of sins. And, you know, sin creates more sins, more complications. And prayer oftentimes can thwart that. Through prayer, he said, listen, when you pray, 
be use your prayer to win others to Christ to, for salvation and for salvage. I have a, a note in my Bible, and it has a group of people. On my left side, it has people I'm praying for for salvation. On the right side, it has people I'm praying for to salvage and to bring them back to the Lord. And it's been a beautiful thing. Not all of them I prayed for has come back. Not everybody I prayed for to get saved have been saved. But boy, every once in a while, I love checking it off and saying, oh, they're back. And the only thing I can, pray, I can, I can blame is prayer what God did.